Weekends are a good time to escape to the woods. Unless the weekend begins with Friday the 13th. Because 13 is an unlucky number. But out here, so are 1 through 12. Because these are Jason's woods. And nobody leaves them alive. Friday the 13th, part 3 in 3D. Jason, you can't fight him. You can't stop him. And now, you can't even keep him on the screen. Friday, the 13th, part 3, in 3D. Now, when it comes to killing in Jason's woods, Jason will come to you. Friday, the 13th, part 3, in 3D. A new dimension in terror. It will scare you. Here we are, David. It's your favorite day of the year, the biggest, most important day of the year. My second grade teacher's birthday? Yes, it is. Happy birthday, Mrs. Kupchak. Mrs. Kupchak, yeah. <laughs> also, it's Friday the 13th. Oh, it's Friday the 13th. Happy Friday the 13th. Oh my God, that's why you're wearing that hat that's, and that shirt yeah. and that yeah. pin. I've and got the black cat with me and... There's a ladder for you to walk under and shattered, all that stuff. Shattered a bunch of mirrors on my way in today. Yeah. Salt? Is there a salt over your shoulder? Spill salt? You spill I, salt. You have one of those. You throw it over the shoulder to, to undo the Un- curse. Right, right, right. And by breaking mirrors, I was just taking a baseball bat to park cars outside the studio. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's mine, too. That's what I do. Well, that's what you do to people who park in your spot here Absolutely. at Recon Cinema Studios. <laughs> Uh, I am John Diner. And I'm David Munchak. And welcome back to Reconcinimation, your podcast that takes a look back at our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And today is a very, very special day. And we're going to have, you guessed it, a, a very special guest back with us. That's right. I mean, it's Friday the 13th. It's, what are we doing? A, a third installment in our Friday the ter- 13th series. Yeah. So who better to have on the show than our di- our director of the Voorhees Institute at Reconcinimation, Brent Hutchins. Hey, glad well, to be back. Welcome back, Brent. It's been a long time. Couldn't be happier to be here. <laughs> Thank for you sure. for coming. Yeah, we're, absolutely. We're, he's been out journeying throughout the, uh, the world. A lot of getting, travel. Yeah, a lot of travel. Voorhees Institute keeps me really busy, guys. I yeah. don't know. It's... Yeah. Pretty bananas. There's uh it's all horror, you know, antiques from around the globe and uh 
you know, you're basically an explorer and an adventurer. I'm like Indiana Jones. Yeah. yeah. In a way. Only uh, relating to horror things, though. Or, yeah, so. archaeological digs all over the world. Uh, it's exhausting. Wow, but yeah. You keep really busy. glad to be back. It's great. I'm so glad we can fund your department um, with our show. I couldn't do it without you guys. What uh, What's your latest project uh, concerning these... Friday the 13th antics. I can't say Friday the 13th. <laughs> it's been a struggle. The second time I said it wrong. Right well, now, you're, you're drunk. Right so. now it's finding finding the number 13 so that we can get through this. Uh, no, yeah, just uh, just a lot of the archaeological digs around the world, trying to find right. all those artifacts that John was mentioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, there's some interesting stuff out there. A lot of cursed artifacts. Were you looking oh, for the very first pair of 3D glasses, but the ones that were used for Friday the 13th Part 3? I've actually been looking for the 3D glasses that were released with the Blu-ray DVD that are of the Jason Voorhees mask. There you go. Whoa. Yeah. So, but they're really tough to find. <laughs> eBay. Collector's items. I'm yeah. sure. Not just in dumpsters. They are <laughs> on people's shelves and ready to be used. I'm sure they've been in a shadow boxed frame. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here, we're looking at Friday the 13th Part 3. The last time all of us were together, at least recording, was Friday the 13th Part 2. That's right. Back in uh, September, right? Wasn't that September, I think? August, September, somewhere around there. So I don't know. Doesn't matter. I don't know. It Seems was... like ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great show. If you haven't listened to it, uh, maybe just stop this one. Check that one out in our archives at www.reconsimation.com. And then you come back to this episode. Just so you're all caught up to speed, we like to talk about the franchise as a whole and how it evolved through its time at Paramount, and then eventually, someday, we'll get to its time at New Line, which is not so good, but how the you know the relationship, the the fractured relationship between Paramount and the Friday films, and how that evolved over, over throughout the '80s. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot to talk about for each movie, and that's kind of what we're looking at is the evolution of this franchise and how you know we're still at this point we're definitely like still on the rise for for this for these films before we kind of hit a plateau and then move downwards. But um, what was the, when was the first time, Brim? When was the first time you saw Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, three D? Uh, th- well, I I don't think that I've ever actually seen it with 3D glasses on, but the first time I ever saw the movie, I think uh, last time we got together, I mentioned how I would go over to my neighbor's house and and sneak movies in because they had HBO. And so certainly, uh, Friday the 13th Part 3, the first time I saw it was over there without without a question of a doubt. (laughs) I remember I was sitting in uh, uh, the Travis's father's office and we were watching it in his office and I was like blown away I was like this is amazing <laughs> uh, I was also probably you know not 10 yet so. yeah well that's when I think so many people found the, the Friday films yeah. at a pretty young age absolutely they're pretty accessible like the VHS copies were easy to get your hands on they but. were littering the streets they were <laughs> everywhere all the VHS copies VHS copies of 1, 2, and 3 yeah. We're just everywhere. Every Friday the 13th, they would just, like, drop them out of airplanes. Yeah. So. No, they were, it was a government-funded uh, holiday celebration. Very much so. And now it's a Recon Cinema-funded, uh, you know, federal event. Absolutely. So. And I am uh, 
legally obligated to be here for this episode, <laughs> and I'm happy to get through this as quickly as possible. Have you? Did you not like this one any better than the last one? I actually enjoy this a lot more than the last one. Uh, only that's from good a, to hear. Yeah, from, techni- so from a technical standpoint and from an entertainment standpoint, uh, I was able to. The first time I ever saw this was uh, this week. <laughs> <laughs> better late than never. And I was. Yeah, I was bored at times, but only because of there's boring that, parts. That's but mind, don't mind that alarm. That's, yeah, sorry. Uh, sorry. Did you take your t- pill? That was, I I have now. Okay, yeah. take your take your pill. It's big. It's big. Take a big gulp of water. Um, but uh, yeah, this is this was um, uh, a new a new movie for a me, new beginning, so. if you will, for you. Almost. 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 Is that part yeah. six? That's five. That's five. Yeah. Yep. Not there yet. I'm not looking forward to five. It's gonna be a couple I've more years before five. we get there. <laughs> you have. That's right. I've seen five. Yeah. Oh, the storied Jesus. backyard screenings. <laughs> so mad. <laughs> we um, the first. I remember seeing, like I've talked about before. I remember seeing the poster for this movie in. Uh, it was movies one at my local video store when I was a kid in Peekskill, New York, and they had a, almost. I want to say it was eighty. Five or eighty-six when I started registering these, wandering yeah. the store while my dad was doing whatever he did there. Um, but I always found myself in the horror section, and the Friday posters, the original posters, are all great. They're great posters, and this one especially because it's he's like stabbing through a shower curtain. Yeah. I think right? it's meant to look like three D. Exactly. But uh, so I remember that, and I remember I remember the shot where. He first he's got the mask on and he shoots Vera through the eye. Yep. I remember that from seeing it on TV or something. But uh, and then I didn't pick this up <clears throat> until college, back at the College of Santa Fe, R.I.P. R.I.P. With our our Santa Fe loonies, we had a very special <laughs> gathering at our dear friend Brent's house. Yeah, that's right. We this did. was this was actually the beginning of the Voorhees Institute. It was the very early days. <laughs> yeah, this was the first meeting of the Voorhees Institute <laughs> back like then. The legendary beginning, just like Microsoft in a garage. Mm-hmm. That's Voorhees exactly Institute right. Institute in yeah. a dorm. Yeah. Uh, Not even a dorm. It was oh. a house off campus, oh, which was the best house yeah. and yes. the best place to hang out. We all got together for this. It felt like a weekend-long party. I'm so jealous. It sounds like it was a good time at the house. You would have had a great time if you were there. If we can time travel and go back to that party. Did we actually make it through all the movies? Which movie was it? Jason Goes to Hell was the last one we... I'm pretty sure we made it through seven. So we had a room okay. where, like, well, basically the living room, like, where we were watching all the movies and we'd play, you know, we drink to... Like eight different things for each yeah, movie. Sure. You can imagine by the time you get to the end of the franchise, <clears throat> you're not doing so hot. I don't remember much. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was for this one. It's like every time there's sex, <clears throat> Jason kills somebody. There's a 3D shot or and something else. It yeah. was like you're, 3D you're, shots. You're drinking the whole. Which time. I think we counted. There's like 26, 27 of them. Yeah. yeah. Very overt. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. In your face, 3D. Yeah. So we made it through. I think the first seven that night, and then we continued like the next day for the rest of them. But okay. yeah, a good time had by all. And part three. I don't know. What do you guys? What do you think of part three now? I'm going to go bold state. Well, now, like, yeah. rewatching it, what do yeah. I think? Yeah, yeah. Like, where does it sit in your, your ranking of the Friday films? Oh, boy. Um, 
Well, would you say top half or top bottom half? half? Top it's half. top half. Okay. I actually, I'm going to make a bold statement. I think this is like one of the very most important installments in the franchise. Like as far as like slasher films in general mm-hmm. and there being like lengthy installments of slasher films and then just the fact that it like pushed 3D in such a huge way for, for horror movies for like a big chunk of time in that, in that mid-80s time frame. Um, and then not to mention, you know, like this is where Jason gets the mask. Yeah. This establishes a ton of like the tropes that go throughout the rest of the franchise as far as Jason is concerned. So I think it's like, I don't know how it holds up as a, you know, 2020s version of a film, but uh, I still enjoyed it. But a lot of that's probably nostalgia based. But like as it fits into the whole like canon of the world, I think it's super important. Yeah, I, I agree that it is one of the most important in the franchise and the scope of the franchise and, and what it did for the films after. Obviously, like like you said, with the mask being the most important moment in, in the film. Enjoyment-wise, it's definitely in the bottom half for me. And I know I'm in the minority. I think David's with me in the minority. But I don't know. I don't, I don't, all right, what do you think? I mean, I've seen now seven different Friday the 13th movies. You're getting there. You're, I've seen well, seven of them. I'm so proud there. of you, too. Uh, entertainment value out of seven? Top four? Maybe top three, honestly. Mm. But I've seen one through six, and then the one where the guy eats the heart. and the, <laughs> Yes. The guy eats the heart on the, on the table. Guy. Jason goes I to hell. Jason yeah. goes to hell. This, yeah, this is probably top, I'm top glad three. You've seen, I'm glad you've seen that one. Yeah. That was the one I rented with Demolition Man that one night. I think that one's like universally panned as the worst one, right? Like, it is, yeah. It's, it's there's no, of, there's like not any kind of like saving grace to that one. At all. Well, because there, like Jason gets supernatural, like starting with part six, it yeah. really he he's pretty much just a supernatural character. But that one takes it like to a different level, yeah. like a different planet of supernatural. That's just. You can you can buy it in those other movies in yeah. six and seven and in eight. You can believe it in the world of that movie, but this one is just like what he's body transferring. Like yeah, I through... mean they introduced some really random things that had never been used in. I mean yeah, not that we're here to talk about that one yet. That'll right. be in twenty twenty seven, but <laughs> you know nonetheless that's what we're on course for. Let's, yeah, right. let's talk shit just for a minute. But yeah, this one was uh, for me. I think because it was, I think. It, <laughs> I don't know. It, it didn't. It's true. It's clear. Like they're not taking this seriously. Like in terms of, they want to do something entertaining. Let's string together these murders, but we're going to try to do something with this 3D. And so let's just like let's film it over a, basically a weekend. It seems like <laughs> probably a couple of weeks, right? I don't know. We'll get to that. Yeah. But, uh, but I feel like it was just like, hey, here's some gorgeous people getting into a thing. I don't know. For some reason, I think I really like this a lot more than two, and and one's fine. Yeah, they're like completely. I <laughs> one's feel like fine. I don't know. They're very different movies. Like yeah. they are because yeah. this movie, I feel like, is really where they start to introduce and and push the kind of supernatural, like really the supernatural element of of Jason and his like indestructible nature and mm-hmm. and all that. And they're just they they seem very like he in this one is really like pushed as larger than life and like yeah. before this it wasn't that wasn't really the case like it's really like a, 
I think they really took the entire franchise at this point and like kind of turned it on its head and spun it into something different that had that like kind of staying power as you know for for the rest of the the, the movies. Yeah, that's true. I mean, let's let's look at it kind of where this is in the this big picture of everything. So 1980, the first film is made as basically a, I mean, they've all admitted it, that it is just a ripoff of Halloween, trying to, trying to bounce off this, the success of that. And the movie is so huge that they immediately go into part two, right. uh, which, again, was a, a huge hit. And they almost, as far as Paramount goes, have to keep making these movies as long as they're making this kind of money. I yeah. mean, this is major money. I mean, these movies cost the budget is like one million, two million dollars, and they're making thirty-five, forty million. Uh, there's, there's no way they can't keep making these movies as much as they didn't. Well, we'll get into like Paramount's perspective on it, and and the Friday franchise is like kind of the uh, forgotten son, you know, <laughs> of their studio that they wouldn't admit of how important that franchise oh, yeah. was for them, but. Uh, yeah, definitely. They each have a different flavor. <clears throat> I mean, with part one is kind of a standalone movie. It and, is, yeah. and spoiler alert, you know, doesn't really involve Jason. It's got a different killer, the mother. Yeah, that's and, why you should go back and watch <laughs> the other movies and listen to the yeah. other podcast before this one. <laughs> it's very true. You have two opportunities to listen to part one because we put <laughs> that one out twice. It was so good. It and I got 60 downloads by itself. <laughs> oh, no, we're fooling everyone. Um I listened to it again. Yeah, the well, we recorded a new opening. Yeah, I know. I just I listened to it for the prologue alone. I was like, "What are the guys talking about this time?" The uh, I couldn't make it in. So so for part two, they have to, you know, they realize like who's the killer going to be. They decide to bring Jason back from the dead without really any explanation at all, and that didn't matter. I mean, they were they were concerned that that was going to put people off, and it didn't. It just nobody cared about it. They just cared about. Jason running around killing these counselors and as they go on each movie you're kind of more and more into Jason and less and less into the counselors and the main characters with a few exceptions um, who doesn't love Corey Feldman you know well right that's part four but we'll get there soon yeah yeah but to me I, I feel like two and three maybe it's because Steve Miner directed both of them and he's yeah. the only person to direct more than one Friday the 13th film they do feel like, you know, sister films to me. Like mm-hmm. they, they, they do have the same kind of feel. Obviously, three has a much, much more of a uh, imprint on it with the whole three D element. So right. there's a whole like other thing going on with that one. Yeah, three D magic. Three D magic. Yeah, which we'll talk about the whole creation and the decision to do three D. Um, they knew this movie was going to be a guaranteed hit. So with two being as successful as it was, they had to go right into it. And the decision early on was to stick with what worked. And there's really, this is also where the franchise behind the scenes has a a tonal shift. Sean Cunningham, who really birthed the franchise in the first film had kind of let go of it for part two. And there was an associate producer brought on named Frank Mancuso Jr. Frank Mancuso Sr. was also a very important person. He was running Paramount Studios at the time and was really one of the people, one of the few supporting this franchise. And 
and his son was brought on to assist kind of with part two and had the opportunity to step in as producer for part three. He had a choice to either be Robert Evans' assistant for whatever his next movie was going to be, which I don't even know if it happened or not, but be Robert Evans' assistant or produce his own movie, which was Friday 3. And I think wisely, Frank took Friday 3. Yeah, well. So they they brought Steve Miner back, uh, and otherwise they just wanted to keep as many people, as much of the crew as possible. I mean, these movies were almost almost going year-round. And did you say how much time did they take in between 2 and 3? Not much. I mean, you know, each, like, part 1 comes out in 80, part 2 comes out in 81, part 3 comes out in 82. Mm-hmm. So there's really not much lag time in between. I mean, right. when, when the movie comes out, it's like they're right back <clears throat> into production. Yeah. And it's a, a very short shoot, a short post, and then, you know, time for whenever the next big Friday the 13th is. Right. So I forget, I have to look back of, like, when they stopped putting them out on Friday the 13th because they they did that at a certain point. Maybe when they were off the rails by by part 8. It looks like... uh, I think it was Friday the 13th part 5, which came out on March 22nd. Yeah, which is sort of the turning point of the franchise anyway. That's true. It's a new start. It's it's a new beginning. It's a new beginning, (laughs) one might say. Um, But Paramount also got a little more involved in in this film they you know i don't think they like to admit that they got as involved as they did but the first two were controlled by um these two producers based out of buffalo i believe yeah, uh I think that's right. robert barsamian and phil scuderi who were working like hand in hand with cunningham in the beginning and then with uh steve minor and mancuso and were sort of creatively driving these uh, by this point paramount was sort of stepping in and kind of pushing those guys out of the picture Although they were working, you know, in the early script development stage here. Um, They also made the decision, like we were mentioning, to put this out in 3D. Yes. So that was a whole whole fad in the 1950s, for those that don't know or remember that. uh, A huge fad in the 50s that went years and then just completely died out. It was, I think people just got their limit of it and then... They just stopped making movies that way. It was it was very expensive to make a movie that way. Well, it feels like every so often Hollywood likes to introduce 3D back into the into the fray when it comes to the films. And, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, what was the, the what was it Avatar around Avatar time? Avatar, and then yeah, I mean, there were a no, you know I think it works really well with like CG animation. So they mm-hmm. they've done that quite a bit. But yeah, Avatar yeah. was like the next big push that brought it back to the like public forefront for a minute mm-hmm. and now obviously it's starting to taper off yeah. yeah it has tapered off again but. yeah it's tapered off but it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it died like i did it did in the yeah. 50s and then in the 80s here as Absolutely. well like it, it feels like it's you know they're picking their moments in their movies where to land the 3d and others they'll also have in 3d but not push it as hard right so you have yeah. the choice yeah, yeah, I think the advertising for like the 3D version of all the big movies um, has died out. Like, it, it's a, it's a now an option yeah. to go see a 3D IMAX version of Spider-Man or whatever the hell. But like, they're not. I, I remember it was big on the advertisements. Yeah. Like for the like for most of the 2010s and like right at the end mm-hmm. of the, the aughts. Like after Avatar, I was like, well, everybody's got to have 3D. We got to have 3D TVs. Yeah, every, every movie, 3D yeah. is going to be every piece of media is going to be in 3D. Yeah. And I was like, I'm so glad that that's not the case. That yeah. like, 
like have to watch stuff in 3D or well, whatever. Well, the problem is, is like a lot of studios, you know, they just don't do it well. Like yeah. when you when you introduce something like 3D into into the mainstream and it's done well, it's actually a really interesting part of entertainment and it yeah. kind of involves you in the storytelling, but when you start to just water it down and everybody's trying to do it and it's like a post process, like it just is really you know, like yeah. it it's it's kind of just it takes you out of the moment and it's problematic well and i think it's like you can convert a movie now for like 10 million bucks or something right. like so it's just an added cost that it was something that'll run in other theaters just so they can jack up the price yeah exactly for it and uh i mean the 3d takes on those big blockbusters in the in the 2010s i think helped a lot of those box office numbers but yeah no i don't i don't see it as a trend it's just sort of a thing it's an option right yeah i, I would say now yeah, right, exactly. I think they they know the system yeah. technically now better than they probably than they ever have before. That's yeah. right. Yeah, there's been a lot more studies and research done yeah. on how the best way to use it as a storytelling I, device. I sure. think people seeing you know uh, people our age who like grew up with it and or, or knew of it from from when it was out in the fifties can go back and see what went wrong and and better ways to use it so it's used more effectively now. I also, you know, like, I don't recall in the 80s there being, like, a huge 3D, like, revolution, except for, you know, kind of the gimmick of this is the third movie in a right. chapter of right. this franchise, yeah. and we're going to say it's 3D, you know? I mean, this was kind of the first series of films that hit that third movie franchise, and so mm-hmm. they rolled in the 3D, you know? It's a nice little gimmick for a yeah. for, for a horror movie, and then, you know several copycats kind of came after that yeah you know with with amityville 3d yep. and jaws 3d jaws 3D. and then nightmare on elm street 6 <laughs> wait that doesn't work they, they're a little late to the party <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're ringing the doorbell as everyone's like, hey guys or don't out. forget us yeah. we can do 3d too we're here freddy's dead um yeah. So, and and as far as they're working out the whole three D element, at the same time they're writing the film. The original, they they actually expected three was going to be the last and the end of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. They were hoping for it. I think everyone, creatively, like this was Steve Miner's, you know, first couple of films. This was his way into as a director. I think people wanted to springboard, which horror films have always always been a good way for directors to get their foot in the door and then springboard to other other things sure uh so they were hoping that this one would do well but not well enough to keep going yeah little did they know uh the original script was a direct continuation of of the story of Ginny from part two so originally it was basically like friday the 13th 3 was going to be halloween 2 Got it. So it was following Ginny, and she no went idea. into this mental institution or hospital, some some kind of hospital-type place. Uh, and then Jason was going to find her, you know, track her down all the way from Crystal Lake and stalk her throughout the hospital, which is the exact plot of Halloween 2. Right. Another movie we covered, which you can hear in our archives at www.reconcinemation.com, uh, back in our Fright Fest of October. That's right. Um so yeah, the so who eighty six that idea because that's well genius. it got eighty six because the actress who played Ginny, uh, Amy Steele, decided to move on from the franchise and mm. it's a little bit unclear if it was 
being influenced by her agent to take on other things. She was doing a lot of TV at that point. I remember her in a different Strokes episode. I, I want to say Ooh. Facts of Life. Oh, okay. Um, so she was kind of around. I think there was another couple of movies that she was up for, and they had high hopes for her career, which didn't really pan out for her. And I think in hindsight, she regrets not doing the third movie. Yeah, although... Yeah, I would. I can understand that regret, but it sounds like that the plot that they were trying to go with was pretty watered down at that point. So it's, I mean, yeah, it's an exact another Halloween ripoff. But I don't know if you could. I don't know if they could have made a wrong move with this franchise at the moment. People, I think people were still going to show up and see it for sure, no yeah. matter what they did. But I feel like if they would have gone that route, that would have completely changed the outcome of absolutely the remaining films in the franchise. You know. Yeah, I mean, you—they didn't take him out of Crystal Lake till much later, and obviously that right. wasn't the best of decisions. Is it not? No. I don't know. Some depends. Depends. I love Jason X actually. So I I like Jason in Manhattan. You yeah. know, like I mean, <laughs> for the like ten minutes he's actually in Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, but, but still, you know. Um, that's At another. that point, it's hilarious. Like it's you know, oh yeah, like it's they a really comedy own, franchise yeah. by that point. So, uh, but yeah, I don't know. You know, I think at this point in the franchise, he needed to stick around and build up his reputation at, at Crystal Lake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Do they even call it Crystal Lake in this third movie? No, like. it's Higgins, Higgins Haven, Haven. I think. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I mean, bad marketing after so many kids have been killed in your 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 lake area. They but can't. The, but. It almost uh, well, just seemed like it was a separate lake, like a whole separate thing. I mean, obviously it wasn't. But. Well, it's a different... I, I think when you get really specific about it, it is a different part of the lake. It's right. like sure. the okay. other... I, yeah, I did read it's this. It's not like, part of the camp, right? Like, right. it's just uh, it's, it's another area. Exactly. It's like, yeah. you know, like any giant lake like that, they're yeah. going to have different areas of it. And, and this big. is sort of another section. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Cause she had, and she and our main character, Chris, had her own trauma. Yeah, yeah that's like, weird. Like, can I? Can we stop and talk about that we for can just talk a second? About that. Yeah. Like, it might be out of turn because I know we still have to talk about like no, no, who all is in it and everything. Yeah. But did anybody else find that? Like, I, I I had forgotten that whole like sub storyline that that subplot in the years it's been since I've yeah. seen it. But rewatching, I was like, what? Like, what is that? Like, she's just out. She in the woods and Jason's there and then she, she wakes up in her bed. Well, no, I think the insinuation is that she was she was raped by Jason. You think? Mm -hmm. uh, and what he put her back in her bed like Yeah, that he basically like he raped her, didn't kill her and she survived and which is never ever ever in any of the other movies like No, you're right. It's very out of place, I feel like the whole thing is really strange. I think I hate that. <laughs> Well put. I think I'm with you. I think I hate that. It's very bizarre, very different. Uh, it's a different avenue that this franchise doesn't really go down because they take her, they take Chris in this very emotional direction for this stuff. She, like her her whole, she can't relate to people or she can't be physically comfortable with her boyfriend or with anybody. She's got a well, whole... Well, that guy's a creeper, but that's, we can talk about that later. He's 50. <laughs> he's 50. He drives a Volkswagen I mean, well, bug. He gets what's coming to him. So He does, but he also takes her to, like, a drainage ditch for her to, like, express her, like, innermost, like... Psychological trauma. You know? Well, he's like he's like what like Saved by the Bell and Nine Hundred Two and L. He's yeah. like the the thirty year old teen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's just trying to get in her pants. The whole like yeah first yeah. like ten minutes of their interaction. It's yeah. like backhanded, like swarmy, like 
it's cool, sweetie, it's cool, but come on, let's do this. It's yeah. like, dude. Yeah. Yeah, he's, it's, the whole thing is creepy there, yeah. but, but it's, uh, strange to see them go in such like a psychological route with the character sure which they didn't really i don't think they really did again till part seven well yeah i mean not in that way yeah for sure yeah where they really like give a character some depth with like with yeah, the yeah. actors something to, to reach at yeah know, i think they it. go like there's like little elements of it that they try and do with Jason. Like, just going back to, like, part two and her trying to reenact his mom and, right. like, get in his head that way. Like, there's, like, little, like, grabs at it, but this is deep. Yeah. And, and it drives a lot of the, the story. Yeah, and it's something, like, as a viewer that people could possibly relate to sure. as well, whereas with all the other characters, they're just pretty flat, straightforward characters with no emotional connection, really. Right. So... Interesting, bold choice. I don't know how well it worked. A little melodramatic, yeah. in my taste, in this particular She's instance. very intense. Yeah. Like, her performance is, like, very kind of, almost, like, frantic. It's, yeah. It's uh, interesting. But did you, where do you guys rank her on, on the, the female heroines of the franchise? I, she's forgettable for me, pretty much. I don't know. I uh, she's not a she's not one that I really care for all that much. One the one that I see as like number one more often than not is Ginny from Part Two. Yeah, yeah, I could yeah. get that. I like Ginny. Yeah. She's a badass. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, she's. Cool. I don't think that of this of <clears throat> this particular character. I actually was hoping that Vera would be the last girl because like I was like, she's cool. She's not mean to yeah. to uh, Shelly. to Shelly. Yeah. You know, like, and then all of a sudden, game over. But like. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> Very serious way. Yeah, but it's like I was like, oh, she could have been the last girl, as far as I was concerned. I, I found her more interesting than than uh, Chris. Yeah, not having seen it before, I was wondering like, oh, they established Chris as like the leader immediately, so I'm like, oh, she seems like she's going to be the final, the mm. final one. But then I was like, are they going to give me a twist here? Like, uh, Vera's just kind of coming along. Like, she's just this friend. Like, yeah, she's not mean to Shelly. She's like, yeah. she, she, you know, she's not falling into the... She's kind of mean to him in the beginning. And then... Well, he was being a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was. He but was... then, you know, she was just trying to be straight with him. And then, you know, he called her a nasty name after he, like, I like you. And she's like, no. And not, like, rude. She was just like, no, I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. And then he's, like, a jerk again. And then, uh... She's just trying to hang out, trying to take care of things. And I wonder if that character just plays different in today's like modern society than it did in the '80s when it was made. Probably because like right yeah. now, like rewatching it, I was like, oh, she's definitely the coolest. I felt like the coolest female character, and I was hoping that she would. You know, like if if I had never seen it before, I would have been hoping that she was the one that was the last girl. Yeah, yeah. I think looking back on it now, the Vera Shelley relationship is a lot more interesting than what the three other couples that are I agree yeah. that are there I mean the stoners are kind of funny they're oh yeah, yeah. I mean it's <laughs> Cheech and Chong yeah yeah you know? exactly so that's that's good for a laugh yeah but. Chuck and Chili yeah it's <laughs> what the, it, Chuck, Chuck and Chili Chuck and Chili yeah <laughs> nice the that's, that is exactly so yeah a rip off of Cheech and Chong yeah. they were uh, those actors were talking about how how hard it was to make this movie just because they got the 3D element as a production was so dominant on the set that they would spend hours and hours getting a shot set up so that they would do like one take and need to move on. So, 
you know, everyone kind of talks about how bad the acting is and how hard it is to sit through some of that. But like, to their credit, like they didn't probably didn't get a lot of direction or many takes to do a better performance. Yeah, the acting was probably the last thing that was focused on for any of it. It was just say the lines, whatever you're, you know, if you're over the top, great, that's fine, you know. But for this one in particular, like the 3D was the dominant yeah. Uh, element on Which set, you pick right? up in watching. I mean, it's yeah. all over the place yeah. in, in this movie. So many things. I mean, like, so, like, yeah, the entire movie is 3D, right? Like, I've never yes. seen it, but so it's not like there's only certain shots are 3D. The whole thing is 3D, mm-hmm. as intended, right? Like the original. Yeah, like, yeah. It was, so, it was all shot that way. Yeah, because you can tell, like, just the composition of a lot of shots that aren't, like, egregious uh, for, you know. Yeah, like, there's a lot of gimmicks. depth of field shots. And, yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, this actually probably looked kind of cool. Like, well, that's the yeah. The main thrust of this movie is like the 3D, then the murders, then the characters. <laughs> like, oh yeah, think, like, yeah. That's that's the order of importance. Yeah, know? for like, sure. I think uh, the characters might even be further down. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. That's probably right. <laughs> like yeah. Jason's number two. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> or one, I guess. Um, yeah, they they actually used a uh, a Mark's 3D system on a Lumacrane. So that lens would go almost entirely across the room. It was, I mean, it was ridiculous looking. It's really? just, yeah. Oh. It's, it's look up pictures of it and it's, it's kind of insane. But um, yeah, they hired Marty Sadoff, who was the 3D supervisor. So that was, uh, he was a, I think, a neighborhood friend of the Mancusos who was always experimenting as a kid with 3D stuff. And they remembered that when <laughs> it was time to make this. And, they called him up and gave him the job, and all of a sudden he had to figure out how to make this whole system work on a major feature film. Uh, the script was written by Martin Kitrosser and Carol Watson. Martin Kitrosser, you might recognize his name if you watch the credits from any of the modern Tarantino films because he's his script supervisor. Oh, wow. Really? Still working, still in the biz, doing important, important films. Crit Rosser. Yeah. This is script super. Yeah. Didn't make it as a writer. He was a script super on uh, definitely part two. I can't remember if he was on part one. I think he was on one and two. Uh, and then oh. transitioned to uh, writer for this. And, and he wrote five. Or he was one of the three credited writers on five. <laughs> one of the many writers one. for part five. <laughs> everybody, everybody it was a new beginning. Yeah. Yeah. It's a new beginning. <clears throat> he probably got credited for something that got was like a flashback in part five. Maybe, yeah. Oh, man. Well, there's certainly rights issues as far as the writing goes for uh, the Friday franchise. It's still, you know, it's still tied up in litigation as as we're recording this. Oh, yeah. So they can't, that's why we haven't seen any new Friday films or... Since the remake. Since the one in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. The game, the, the, the PlayStation game came out just ahead of this lawsuit between Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham. Yeah. Uh, so, but a- everything after that was frozen. Yeah. Man, and they were developing a TV series like with <clears throat> Jason and and everything. And so, is this just going to be held up in litigation forever? Well, Victor Miller won, and then Sean Cunningham countersued him. So, or so or um, appeals or appealed, something. yeah. Oh, okay. So, so it's tied up again, and and the whole thing is especially this year being the 40th anniversary. God, like man, the fans are really pissed about it because this is the year to do a big. Yeah. thing especially for the first movie and and these guys are stopping it and 
you know, it's already March. So by the, even if it stopped tomorrow, it would, which would be Saturday the 14th. <laughs> That's true. Right. Yep. yep. <laughs> which is also a spinoff movie that happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is that Leslie Nielsen that one? I don't know. Oh, no, I just three, remembered the, the three box. Possessed. Yeah. I just remember the box at the video store Saturday the 14th. <laughs> Looked like a, a Dracula type character with a green face, is that right? I don't remember that. Something uh, something I feel yeah. like that's I don't remember. I want to say like, like a maybe. tombstone or something yeah. on there. Um so the the script was uh they did get some extra help from another writer named Petru Popescu who was um basically brought in to add some humor and characterization Shelley. to these yeah a lot of Shelley stuff I think the uh, um, chili what was it um, Chuck, and chili. Chuck and chili Chuck yeah. and chili Chuck and chili uh, this like was the show. first this was actually the first movie to shoot in LA and not on the east coast okay and that was a Mancuso decision to but it was really because of the 3D like yeah. there was such a technical element to this movie that they didn't want to be stuck out in the New Jersey woods this time yeah. do it here they shot up in uh, in Saugus and at this ranch called Values A which I've shot at for some of my shows Whoa. oh nice very oh, very fancy. cool and the bummer thing is there was a fire a few years ago up there and the house mm. from part 3 actually burned down oh. so it survived right? this whole time and then that's a bummer. fire took it out but it happens um Fires kill a lot of those great old sets. Yeah, well, it almost killed the clock tower, right? It, I thought it did. Kill it did, it. yeah, or, or part of it, or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Universal. Yeah. yeah. I haven't been. I don't know. No. You've never been to Universal Studios. Well, I just literally have never been there. Really? What's yeah. wrong with you? Oh, no, I gotta get over there. What are you doing? Stop! <laughs> no. I'm an idiot. Stop! No, I'm um, going on a trip. Another whole, you know, element they're working out while they're working out the 3D and while they're writing the script is. Jason himself, and what is Jason going to look like? What's Jason's deal? What's he going to look like? Nobody was really happy with how he appeared in part two with the bag on his head because they really had no other ideas. So they just, yeah. and that was a takeoff on the town that dreaded sundown. And then the bearded look. Yeah, the, the mountain man look. Mountain man yeah. look, yeah. Plaid shirt, overall yeah. mountain man look. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, not a not a big. I don't even think they've made. You know, they're coming out with all these these figures for all these, you know, retro figures for these horror films, and I don't think they've even put one out for. I think they did a bag on the head one, but yeah. not the bearded. Not the bearded mountain yeah. guy. Well, they nailed it when they figured it out. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's true. Once he had that hockey mask on in this one. Hockey mask, like, the coveralls. Well, even before that, yeah. like, what does he look like under, you know, they want, we were going to see him in this movie. That's yeah. true. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and there's really no explanation. Like, like for the deformity and all, yeah. Well, or like, why he had a big giant beard earlier, which was, this is, I mean, I believe this is the next day. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. So, they, throughout the franchise, they explain very little about yeah. this kind of stuff, like, how did Jason survive from part one or from prior to part one into part two? Oh, right. And we don't know. Right. It's no. fine. Just go with it. Yeah. And it didn't matter, really, because people went to see the movies anyway. So I guess they were right in a sense. But they, um, the hockey mask kind of came out as a fluke almost. Right. They had brought it. They had There were hockey fans amongst the crew, and they had a hockey mask like on set that they were just messing around with while they were still trying to figure out exactly what they were going to look. And so Marty Sadoff, actually the 3d supervisor brought it 
in for Steve Miner, and I think he was giving it to him as like a gift. Uh-huh. And they're like, why don't we just try it on Jason and see what it looks like? And then they put in the, the red check mark and the and they molded it to uh, Richard Brooker, who played Jason in this film, to his face. And they were like, this is it. This is this is the look, and hopefully it sticks. So, so. then it was born. Yeah. So yeah. It's just almost, it's just coincidence or just happenstance. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. well, this looks Hap- Yeah, one of those happy accidents. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of things in these early movies is just throwing it against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so then they write it in, they give it to Shelley as a yeah. prop, and then next thing you know, yep, it's time for a harpoon. And Shelley, played by Larry Zerner, who's an entertainment lawyer now, yeah, oh, it's funny. Like you that. can follow him on Twitter, and he's been monitoring the whole Sean Cunningham oh. lawsuit. Mm. Ah, and like, like that's where you got to get your updates. Yeah, well, it'll, he kind of reiterates it in layman's terms, right? Like, so what this means is like this and this and this, and this is what they're arguing over, and oh, this funny. is what Victor Miller wants, and. It's really actually kind of fascinating, and he seems like a super nice guy and super, super kind of you know, funny yeah. is his take on it. But um, he ends up becoming one of the most important characters in the franchise because of the mask. Yeah, well, and he's kind of the first. I mean, I feel like after this movie, a lot of the movies that followed put in that kind of like goofy, overweight, awkward character right like yeah there's usually one kind of like lovable loser type character in each of the movies definitely I mean I'd like to say he's the first one but then I feel like what's his name Ted from part two who's the drunk skinny guy who misses the guy guy who lives for some reason yeah yeah, the guy who lives but (laughs) but Shelly's definitely the first one that falls into like kind of what is now like a stereotyped kind of role, like where they, they kind of plug someone in there for that. Yeah, and they did have someone in the first movie as well, but he did they? dies pretty quickly. Okay. And, uh, yeah, he was like, he dresses up in the, like, Native American garb oh, for a yeah, second. Right. But he's not as not as likable. Right. And, yeah, Shelly is the first one. Like, you, you kind of like Shelly. Yeah, like, he's you not feel like bad a... Compl- yeah, you do. Like, you kind of like, oh, poor guy. He's yeah. just awkward and not... He just doesn't have it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I kind of was rooting for Shelly for yeah. part of the movie, well, I guess. Well, because he was introducing the mask, I'm like, oh, well, Shelly's got to live through all this whole thing. Like, yeah. He's got to live with this legacy of, of bringing this in. And of course not. Well, <laughs> but, it's kind of interesting because you, like, you, you don't actually see Shelly get killed. Well, right. Well, you, you see him like it has to be moments after he's had his throat slit, but because well, he's no, still alive, isn't he? When they like he comes in the room and yeah. Know. So, I, but I feel like you see Shelley go into the barn, then you see Jason come out of the barn with, with the, the mask, mask and all that stuff. So they totally don't show him getting killed, right? And then it's not until later when you know it's the big final like I'm running for my life. How do I escape? Scene that Shelley like kind of falls into the yeah the kitchen or whatever this cabin and is throat slip but you never see any of that which no is, you don't yeah i feel like unusual like usually they take every opportunity to show you like um, the the massacre of of the characters but i'm sure that they shot something and they just didn't up use cutting it, it yeah. out yeah yeah that'd make more sense not to show you the murder because he's gonna show up anyway and yeah like, with that gag of the throat slit but like yeah minutes go by like lots of minutes it, and he had almost no blood on his chest. Like, you figured he would have just bled out pretty quickly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. Well, it's but, funny. Like, the deaths in these in this movie, they're either super gory or, like, there's very little blood. It was I felt like it was one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. I well, I mean, so 
we <laughs> yes I agree with that but it's like a lot of them it's just interesting so obviously we can talk about each one but with the handstand guy I forget his name I'm calling him handstand like he's a garbage <laughs> yeah, was Andy. character Andy yeah, yeah. but Andy like you see hey, him you've got get... a friend named Andy don't you me yeah yes Okay. Same guy, is, you think? Is he okay? <laughs> is he, does he do handstands? No. <laughs> Any guy who does handstands, his name is Andy, watch out. Yeah, be careful, Andy. Watch out with the handstands. <laughs> no, but, like, he gets chopped down, you don't see it, and then the next time you see him, he's, like, up in the rafters, and he's, like, cut in half, and his, like, bowels are, like, hanging yeah. out, and it's, like, they skip the, like, the kill itself isn't that gruesome, but, like, you see the aftermath, and you're like, oh, God. Handstand guy. That's most of this, though, I, right? I, like, yeah. they don't actually, I mean, other than, like, a knife through the torso or a, a butcher knife through the chest. It's not so gory. It's just sort of like a single motion. and Yeah. Nothing's, nothing's too exploitive or, you know, gross. No, it gets right. gorier. You know, other films are gorier, for oh, sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I thought, well, you know, handstand being chopped in half, I thought that was... At least your imagination could go with that. He well, he gets hit and he just falls he into the falls. camera, right? Yeah. Like, because that's then, a 3D shot. Of course, yeah, so. it's another 3D gag, yeah. but it like hides the gore. Right, it all then, just kind of dumps down on the lens, and right, you don't, you really don't know what happens. Yeah. And then you see him later when he's bleeding out on the magazine. Yeah, and it's like, oh, oh, it's that. Yeah, that's still probably my favorite death of the movie. I don't know the Vera I, one's. Pretty yeah, cool I gotta too. go with the Vera one. The harpoon, to, the harpoon is. <laughs> yeah. And there's so much about that kill that I think makes it, you know, not only, I mean, for me, my favorite in the in the film, but like it's it's pretty key to the franchise. Well, and it, it's it really like you get Jason like yeah, in absolutely. full Jason mode in it that is whole the scene. First introduction of of the mask. Yep. I mean, you see, you finally see kind of like a little bit of Jason. You know, I mean, just like the slight cock of his head yes. before he like shoots the harpoon like it's just like there's a lot of nuance to that one particular scene i mean it's all like then heavy-handed with the with the 3d harpoon shot but like everything about it like really establishes for the first time kind of like jason as jason you know the jason that we know that's the first true jason Voorhees moment yeah absolutely so like Although the kill, the handstand kill is very like fun. fun. Yeah, like that harpoon kill is like I think just so important that like you can't overlook it. Agreed. I think the handstand thing is just so weird though because it's like, well, here's all right. This character's got to do something a little different. You can't just have him walking. Like, hey, can you handstand? Yeah. All right, great. We're gonna like we're gonna kill you that way. Like, yeah. It's just so. I mean, that dude could handstand for sure. He like he really was like did. legit. Oh yeah, like none other handstand guy. Oh yeah. Yeah, are you saying you don't handstand over to the 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 fridge for a beer or something? Oh, I mean, how do you even get the beer out of the yeah. fridge? On I don't. I got a lot of questions. <laughs> There's a lot of questions there. It's just it was like it's. Did he have to time. go downstairs on his hands? Like I think he was upstairs, but like who has a fridge down. upstairs and where the bedrooms are? He never in got a cabin the, in the woods. Maybe no Hagen's Haven. That's how no, they run things. He never got the beers. He never got the beer. He went from the bedroom to the bathroom and then back out of the hall and died. Yeah, so, I thought he was. But then oh, she's okay, just man. sitting there like, "What are you doing? Why? I don't want beer. Stop it! What are you being a creep?" And she's just showering. Just yeah. It was such very filling the silence. Like yeah, yeah. It's just these things are so silly like the well we need him to be we need all these characters have like a little weird quirk so he does handstands 
Well, yeah, they're trying to give each of them some kind of characterization. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they all do, really, except for Chris. I think she's just got her own psychological yeah. trauma. Yeah. And then Paul, was that his name? No, not Paul. Uh, which one? The boyfriend? The, the boyfriend. boyfriend. Rick. Paul, Paul Krotka, played by, or played, played Rick. Rick. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty one note. Like, there's nothing really. Yeah. yeah. Other than he's got a beautiful torso. Was uh, that yeah, just well, that's me? Right. He was, was that, the, he was am I the only the one who noticed that? I mean, no, I did. No, I did. Yeah. Throwing <laughs> the bays of hail. Oh, hail? Did I just ba- say that bales wrong? Bales of hail. Bales of hail. Bales of hail. I'm going to go, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming. It's See Friday the 13th. Everything's upside down and backwards. Uh, just, just going back. It's the handstands. That's yeah. what I'm Going back to handstand real quick, like when they when they did kill, I don't know what his girlfriend's name is, but. Debbie. 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 When Debbie was killed, I did think that that was an interesting kill because it, it kind of flat, it, it harkens back to. You know the Kevin Bacon kill in the mm. first one, and it's like, like, like mother, like son type moment, yep. which I thought was pretty. I was like, oh, that's, I was like, that's neat. I don't know if it's intentional, but I certainly, no, I, was, I certainly yeah. felt like that was what I, they were trying to get. I think it was, and they even had the same technical problems with that Did shot really? too. Well, you, if you see, like, it's really sticking through her chest and not poking through, mm-hmm. and because of the, I think it was the temperature was hot on that set and the latex like stretched so it just wouldn't it was it just kept giving like it wouldn't it wouldn't Ah. pierce it so yeah they had to push really hard to get that to i think it ends up working i think it ends up working but it's like that'd be really extra painful yeah like she'd be feeling that one yeah that sucks extra worse (laughs) than just getting stabbed in the back (laughs) through the bed but yeah we've got you know each death is kind of attempting to be creative and inventive and they're working the 3d shots into it but definitely vera's death like we were talking about is it's got to be the number one it probably you're right probably with just that moment of the true introduction of what we know as jason and it has to be like a top one of the top kills in the franchise yeah and her reaction too is like like the way she falls back in the water and clearly she's all got the makeup i didn't expect it to go right in her eye and like just I don't know. It seemed kind of brutal. And it was yeah. super brutal oh, for yeah. a character that was not like yeah. an asshole. You yeah. know, it was just like ouch. Like, yeah, it felt it felt a little worse than yeah. everybody else. Like yeah. it was it was harsh for and, sure. And she she was out there because she was she out dropped, there on her own. She dropped her wallet, right? She and dropped Shelly's wallet. wallet. Yeah. Oh man, Shelly's all fucked up. And she felt bad. She was like looking through. She was looking at the she pictures. Picture was She's like, oh, Shelly's just another nice guy. He's got a picture of his family, and then. <laughs> Somehow she karate chops it into the water. Yeah. And so she yeah. decides to jump into the water and get it. And next thing you know, farewell. Game over. And this, you know, there's, if you notice, there's really no, not much score in this movie. No. The Harry Manfredini score is kind of absent, although he did do that awesome disco song in the beginning. Nice. Can we talk um, about that for a second? We can talk, sure, we can talk about that. That was awesome. That when is... they start up the movie. <laughs> yeah. And it goes right into that. After the uh, opening sequence of the last yeah. movie or whatever. Yeah, the first um, seven minutes of this movie was just the last movie. Is what yeah. Recap. And then, I mean, just, it was, like, we're in the 80s now. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Jazzy, Super like, disco-y. disco-y like, yeah. With the 3D, like, titles and then all that. I just, like, it was so groovy. I, I just thought it was, all right, cool. Like, we're going to have some fun now. <laughs> like, it's, it's, I think it set the, I honestly think it set the tone. Absolutely, like, yeah. If it was more of that dark shit, like that the yeah. theme was, I, I think uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'd have as good of a time. I think it. I think this prompted me 
to know what I was getting into. Like, yeah, the only time I even remember, I mean, the score was very absent, and like I, yeah. I remember, there's like one distinct like moment in the cabin where it like stings really hard. But yeah. other than that moment, I don't even. And that was yeah. towards the end. I like, mean, I think you get your the climax. You know the yeah. the yeah. traditional Jason sound, but like that's reused from part two. Sure. And it's mostly because Harry Manfredini was uh, I. He was doing... I no, I just blanked on what it was, but he was unavailable, basically, when they mm -hmm. did it. And okay. so instead of replacing him, they just didn't use anything. Got it. But the kill for Vera, I remember it really standing out that it's so quiet, and all yeah. you hear is, like, the crickets. Yeah. And it was extra creepy. Yeah. But that sound, that whole, like, vibe is what they really captured for the video game. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. I really... When I'm playing that game, like, I think of that scene because it's just quiet. There's very... there's The music comes in and out. Mm -hmm. But it's like that's the whole tone, and you can right. walk out on that pier too in the game. It's, yeah. it's fun. So yeah. I gotta buy that game. It's worth it. You can still get it. Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. can still get it. They're just not doing any updates online. that yeah, really no like online interaction. Well, they don't like nothing that's from the franchise. Like they're updating the the camp counselor characters, mm -hmm. and some of them look like a lot of the characters from the movie, but really? not exactly that character. Yeah. But as far as like Jason's look. Basically, what you get is what you get. They can't update it anymore. Yeah. So. Until this is settled. Yeah, and then I'm sure they're going to the do a barrage of updates for yeah. it. So, because they, they tried to get Jason's like each of Jason's look in that game yeah. from everyone. Well, there's of them. like I five hope they figure it out. I would definitely. I would like for the last remake of Friday Thirteenth not to be the last time we see. It won't be. It'll work out at some point, and then yeah. they'll come out. I'm sure that I think they're already ready with creative oh, like sure. ideas of how to relaunch it, especially with what's going on with Halloween. Yeah, I think they're just super. Now they're probably off salivating for sure. Yeah, I mean, I know there's some pretty racking uh, like fan fil fan films that have been made, but mm -hmm. but like, you know, it would be nice to get back to. Those are fun. Those are those are actually really cool, creative, and sometimes the better creative direction. Yeah. But it's like they don't have the money behind them that the yeah, studio sure. films do. So, yeah. uh, but those are all worth watching. There's a there's a few of them, right? There's oh like, yeah, for sure. There's one that I've seen that's really good called Never Hike Alone. Yeah, it's definitely worth. That's checking like out. the main one, I think. Yeah, 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 I think that one's pretty popular. Yeah. So, um, but worth checking out, everybody. So yeah. So where's that available? Where can I get that? YouTube. YouTube. Get it on the YouTube. YouTube.com. Yeah, just go I've check heard it of out. That. Yeah. Check that out. Um, little trivia. Oh, I did, love trivia. Did you know that the uh, original makeup effects department head was in the very, uh, very well known Stan Winston? Uh, yeah. On uh, three? Yeah, just for part three. Yeah. He was uncredited. I don't think he did the whole film. I think something happened where he either left or. There was a falling out, or oh, really? Yeah, but uh, he started the effects for this movie, like the Jason head, right? Like the prosthetic yeah. for him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. Hmm. Huh. Well, whatever happened to Stan Winston? Yeah, nobody ever heard from him. That guy didn't go on to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was a really tough shoot uh, overall. I mean, they're almost entirely nights, and between that and the 3D, it was really long. Really, really long nights for everybody. How long was the shoot? Did we know? I want to say it was about it was about three, four weeks. Four weeks. Yeah. All night, and it's probably you know like you were mentioning, it's one shot every six hours. Yeah. It's like a shot a day. You're and just it, like, it was a lot of pressure, and I, I think you know timing. Yeah, because of that, 
the timing was really uh, hard on Steve Miner, and I think yeah. he had even less patience and time to deal with the actors. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why you get. I don't want to say a little bit of a step down because I, I don't mean to insult those actors, but right. it's just the nature of the way that production. Yeah, they just the less direction. Yeah, less yeah. exactly, and and they they their performance was not the focus. Right. Right. Because there just wasn't time for it, and that you know can happen, unfortunately, with especially with some of these horror movies that there's so much so many other elements to handle and to deal with that are are eating up the screen time. That, yeah. It's like the actors just say the line. So did you say earlier why the 3D was so important to this movie? I feel like we were talking about it a little bit. Yeah, we, well, it was just, it was, they were trying, I think Hollywood in general was trying to bring that back, and okay. they wanted this to get ahead of, um, of Jaws and Amityville and, and kind of lead the front. And this was one of the only successful 3D movies of the 80s. Right. Yeah, because what did it? I mean, what did it end up doing box office wise? Like it was. Uh, I think it was thirty six million. Yeah, thirty six point seven million yeah. on a two million dollar budget. Yeah, and actually, that budget is really doubled because of the three D. So it was actually like it was another two million to do all the three D. Sure. Because they had to not just shoot it in three D. Paramount was actually financing the theaters to have new lenses, new projectors yep. that could handle the 3d all oh, right so it was it was a huge cost to them yeah. right getting and then at, distributed getting it yep. into all the theaters yeah yeah I mean, yeah that's that's intense that's yeah that's a that's a massive so they had a lot to do before they even start filming right yeah they had to do the same thing again when when yeah. avatar came out they yep. did the same kind of stuff like yeah. converting theaters to digital projectors and and it worked yeah yeah. I mean, but, uh, I think Friday the 13th 3 made more than Avatar, right? Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, it's well documented. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the rankings, it's right, you know, world worldwide uh, mm-hmm. adjusted gross is mm-hmm. right behind uh, Gone with the Wind. Yeah, Gone with the Wind, Friday the 13th 3, and then Avatar. Everyone knows that. <laughs> yep. God, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, It'd so, be amazing if that were true. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, there was also an alternate ending, which no one's ever seen the video of, but there's stills of it. Really? So, basically, I think she wakes up in the in the canoe, goes to shore, and she sees Rick like calling for her inside the house. Chris runs up to the you know whatever the I don't know if it's the front door or the back door, mm-hmm. but runs up to the door, opens it up, and Jason's standing there with the machete, grabs her head, and chops her head off. Oh. And that's the end of the movie. Oh that's the God. end of the movie. Yeah. That's a brutal ending. So there's not like the continued like she wakes up and it's false. No, it was like that was that was it. And you yeah, I mean, I think you're meant to believe that that's the ending. But Wow. But I, I well I'm glad they didn't go with that, but it's so weird like she gets dumped into the back of a police car and she's basically manic and just oh, laughing yeah. and just out of her mind like like, like she's like yeah. the Joker, like just lost his lost her mind over what happened. Yeah, she's like, cracked. Like, oh no, <laughs> does that, she come back? Uh, do we see her again in the series? No, I mean no, you don't see any. Most Jenny of the survivors you don't. There's a, there's the Corey Feldman character is really I think the Tommy, only one. Yeah. Besides, Tommy Tommy Jarvis, huh. uh, besides the Alice from the first film, you don't see any of the heroines. Yeah, I mean that'd be two in a row that all end up in the in the. Um, Sanitarium, let's just say. Yeah. Right. 
That would be Ginny and then Chris back to back. Ginny? I, it's kind of insinuated because she also it's much more subtle in part two but she's got like a crazy thing going on as oh. well hmm. I don't remember the phone conversation she had in her apartment That's how. isn't that how the movie opens she's in her apartment that's the beginning of part two yeah that's Alice from part one. Oh wait you're right I'm sorry yeah. Ginny Ginny's the she goes in, okay I'm yeah. sorry I'm, I'm mixing it all up now yeah it's there's a lot well I clearly don't... you need to watch them again no nope. so. let's do it now yeah after we're done, we're going to yep. screen the first five of them. That this 3D craze that this was getting on. Did you uh, did you guys ever watch SCTV with uh, uh, the SCTV sketch? It was about Count Floyd, who was uh, played by Joe, Joe Flaherty. Flaherty, and so they would all they would often he would uh, you know he's the he's like a Dracula type character, Count Floyd, and he's introducing movies. Oh yeah, the one TV. was on Ed Grimley, right? Uh, did oh, did he appear? On yeah, he had like oh, a little segment there. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but like they they would always do these sketches where he's just they would screen these films, and then of course like one of them was like he would also always feature Doctor Tongue, and it was like the like Doctor Tongue's House of Wax. You know, it's his own version of it. Mm. Then they did House of Cats, and then they <laughs> did like three D House of Pancakes, and like and then they would. You know, Introduce it, and it was supposed to be like you're watching it in 3D, and they're just like looking at the camera, and they're just like, "Here, here are these pancakes. Mm, do you want some syrup with that?" And then just like in and out with the thing, and it was just like, just so silly. Right. That they're, you know, they're not obviously filming it in 3D. You're just yeah. seeing it, but yeah. they're just sticking it in your face. But they're like, "This is so cool. Look at it." And uh, I love Count Floyd and all those. <laughs> the antics but I have not seen any of it's those. really funny stuff I, I haven't seen that in forever I'm sure but. you could catch some of that stuff on YouTube if you yeah with uh, somebody I think they like were always and they did other 3D segments and it was always mm-hmm. just like silly stuff like that and yeah the over watch. the top approach yeah. To yeah. yeah and then like those Count Floyd things were back in the like around the exact same time like I think early 80s early yeah. 80s yeah mm. Late yeah I mean it had 80s. to tie in because this was like I think like 80s version of the 3D was like 81 to like 84 and then it right. was gone. Yeah. Except for Friday, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 6. That's right. Except Which, for that one. Don't hey forget, guys. Don't forget Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm here. Late to the party, but... <laughs> um, so let's go back to the 3D. What are our favorite moments, 3D moments in the movie? Let's 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 skip the Vera getting yeah, shot yeah. because yeah. we know sure. that one. Yeah, we've talked about that. We've covered yeah. that. Uh, There's the popcorn popping. Popcorn popping. I mean, a snake. Like, where did that come from? Yeah, random oh, snake. That's right, the snake. Yeah. Um. I mean, I like for me the eyeball. Like the eyeball. Yeah. Leg, like yeah. that's pretty pretty great. And watching it in non 3D, like it's where you can see the like wires. The like, yeah, 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 that's yeah. that's yeah, so it's, great. It's um, the yo-yo where Andy was just like a yo-yo her. was good. Yeah, it was just like such an obvious, yep. silly thing. I mean, the opening 3D shot was like that laundry pole where they, you know the guy, the Harold, the the random dude, like just has to readjust this pole so it just comes into frame. Yep, and like jiggles a little. Yeah, and then he sets it back up. I'm like, oh, all right, yeah, you're you're starting big on this. <laughs> like, here's a little thing. Yeah, that's 3D. I don't know. Yeah, I think one of the bells of of hay yep. was a three D. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a there's a bunch. I mean, like there's they start it early, like yeah. with I forget what the couple is right at the beginning of the 
like the you know at the convenience store right yeah the convenience store uh and i think it's harold and whatever his his wife's name is bernadette i think um but yeah like there's like a laundry pole that he's like waving around i mean it's all over like it's littered and she's watching tv and she just gets up and adjusts it so it it adjusts into frame like out of focus for this 3D yeah. shot it's so can silly. I just say for once just to skip off the 3D but to talk about Bernadette she's like the oldest young lady ever it's like again like they've like unlike unlike with Chris's boyfriend who is way too old to be playing the part they have yeah. this like young lady who's playing like yeah. this old lady with yeah. like curlers and it's like totally out of place it's like yeah. it's like she was born 50 yeah. yeah, I was like, what? I feel like she was like literally twenty, and they put her in curlers and right. made her a nag, like yeah. a moo moo, and you're just like, what is going yeah. on? She's way too youthful. Like, yeah, just... <laughs> and Harold's all like, he's just rushed. It's funny. Harold was played by Steve Susskind, and he was like super excited about this movie, and I think what it would do for his career and and the franchise in general. He was a fan, and he was promoting it hard. And then the movie came out, and he didn't get a credit in the beginning of the movie like uh, he just got one like way deep at the end uh, like, that's right oh all right but we spent cool. like 15 minutes <laughs> yeah there was a, i mean the first seven of the minute uh, movie yeah. minutes of the movie are the last seven of of part two as they and do with the, most of them yeah and then the next 15 are are you know us with harold and bernadette yeah and then and then the the rest of the movie is like an hour yeah, like everything takes place like, in like. Oh an hour. yeah, the the kids, the the uh, they're not even camp counselors; they're just they're right. Just, they're lake college, lake goers, lake people. Yeah, they're, they're just they're out for a party weekend. They're, they're Lakers. Gonna go, gonna go swim in the lake. What about this scene where Juggle they're apples? <laughs> yeah, in the 3D. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about the scene in the van when we first meet these guys, where they're all like they think they're gonna be pulled over? Yeah. So they've got all the pot, and they all just start eating the yeah. pot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's super, that's super cool. That's yeah, that's that's how you that's how you got rid of pot back then. Yeah, you just and ate just it, eat it, and then you're fine. Yeah, and like no, yeah, but no then they're not. I mean, they didn't eat it all because they're still like the. They're like chop. They're like oh, yeah. shoveling it down. Yeah, but. yeah, and they kept it like they wanted this one girl to eat, and she's like, "Oh, I can't. I'm pregnant." Like yeah, she kept Debbie, saying, I'm pregnant, "She's I'm pregnant." pregnant. That's yeah. right. We mentioned Debbie being pregnant a couple of times. God, they're so. There's so much going on in this movie. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a rape storyline. Yeah. There's a there's a pregnant you know pregnancy. A teen pregnancy. Yeah, it, Friday the Thirteenth covers I think everything. It really does. It's, <laughs> it's you know like it's the after school special of, <laughs> of the, the horror Friday Thirteenth movies for sure. <laughs> and we can't forget about the biker gang that shows up. And oh yeah. Harasses. Oh yeah. 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 And like, that you know Ollie and Loco and and Fox. Fox. And then, you know, because they, what, Shelly, like, drove over the one dude's bike and messed it up. Like, they're coming for revenge. They're going to, like, burn down the barn. Right, Which, yeah. I'm like, they brought in, they stole the gasoline out of the van. And they're going to burn down the barn. No one's going to get hurt. They all three <laughs> get murdered, more or less. Uh, yeah. And then. I well, thought, not more or less. They all do, well, eventually. Well, Ollie, but, Ollie, yeah, eventually. Uh, shows up back at the end and yeah. saves saves Chris in a, one desperate moment. And right. And then, uh. But I was like, oh, it's going to totally end in, like, a big barn, uh, a big, like, barn fire. Like, it's going to be huge. Like, this is where he dies. And it didn't happen. Yeah. I got so mad. I was like, I thought they were setting it up. Like, gasoline's going to be poured everywhere. She's going to trap him in there, kill him. Oh, that'd be great. No. No. Well, we know if uh, David Munchak gets to do his own version of Friday the 13th 3, we know there's going to be a barn fire. I'm going to redo it and put a barn fire in it. <laughs> 
what is it? so when when you guys think of Jason, what as far as like the weapons and the kills and all that? What is the what is the iconic weapon in your mind for for Jason Voorhees? Machete. Yeah. Machete. Right? Yeah. Machete for me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's for everybody, right? But like yeah. if you go back and watch through like up to this point in the movies, like I feel like every single kill it's a different weapon you know like i mean he's yeah. always like using something different yeah i mean and two he's got like a scalpel almost that yeah. he kills one of the one of the characters i feel with like he kills someone with like a weed whacker in part two as well like some there weird, is a like, weed whacker kill um there's a kill by a belt in yeah. part five yeah there's, he gets real creative oh, yeah, throughout. For sure, sure. squishing skulls and yeah a yeah, lot of bare hands hot pokers had the machete been introduced to any... I don't recall, like, in the first or second movie, if the machete, machete had really been introduced. I know we see it in this movie. There's a machete like in the first high, one. Is there, but that's his mom. And then we see a rust... Well, we see a rust yeah, I mean, shit. it starts with Bill, the character of Bill, who chops up that snake. Right. R.I.P. Snake. R.I.P. Snake. Um, and then, yeah, it transitions through the movie. But I don't think in two there's a... I don't think he kills anybody. Right. He don't, yeah, I don't think he kills it, but the machete shows back up when she, when Ginny puts it through his shoulder. Right, right. But it's probably the rusted machete from the original. Yeah, murder, yeah. Supposedly. So is and this then the Ali, first time that the machete is introduced with him? Yeah, him? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Well, because then Ali tries to, early in the movie, or no, somebody, somebody tries to kill him early on with the machete, and he, he takes him down. Could, that, that could have been the end of Jason. And once I thought it could have happened. Yeah. But right. Jason dodged, killed the guy. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple yeah. of creepy shots, I thought, in the movie that where, where Jason sort of... Same thing as part two where he's running directly at the camera. Mm-hmm. Like, there's one of those uh, where, where Chris, who, who I didn't mention is played by Dana Kimmel, um, has a vision where she looks up and sees him looking at her through, like, one of the upstairs bedrooms. Yeah. And without the mask. Yeah. And then, it, like, cuts back and he's gone. And then it cuts back and he's, like, coming out the door and running, like, right. directly at her. Those are creepy. Those always get me. Like when he's just trucking it towards yeah, you. Yeah, just like beelining right at you. Yeah. Well, that's I don't like also, that. yeah, it's different too because, like, most of the time, at least as far as my recollection goes, like, he's just, he's always just like kind of methodically walking slowly towards the kill. Yeah. And then, you know, whatever person he's trying to kill at the time just is tripping over every last thing they can find. <laughs> In, in the woods and he just eventually catches up with them so when they do run because like that's definitely where the movies I feel like end up is like it's you don't see him run as much later in the later movies it's just right. that slow walking so when you go back and rewatch these earlier ones before they kind of made that more of a character trait mm-hmm. and he runs it's, it is it's a little jarring you're like yeah. whoa what the methodical walking is much more of a Kane Hodder yeah take on it and him almost doing a Michael Myers version of it yeah but yeah the, the running the speeding up and because and I think she's also like trying she's trying to drive the van away at the end and she gets stuck on the bridge and then he runs up like you see her see him coming out of the side that's right window and she doesn't see it but you do and like that's another moment yeah like, that's nah, good I no, like that no one. thanks 
Who? What? You mentioned the actor's name. The actor who played Jason in this one, Richard Brooker. Richard Brooker. Yeah, great. He did a great job. Yeah, I think this is another like top two or three. Yeah. Jasons. Yeah. There's so many. I mean, Kane Hodder was the only one who had a repeat performance. Sure. And he played Jason, I think, four times. Right. Uh, he's my number one, but I think this guy. I also like part four, who's Ted White. It was John Wayne's stunt double. Oh. Uh, we'll talk about that yeah. later this year. To but, be continued. <laughs> uh, I think Richard Brooker is my number three. Yeah. But a strong three. I like, thought. Yeah, I thought he was yeah. fantastic. He's I mean, can, you know, like he really, I think, again, just to kind of continue to beat this a little bit, like he really set up a lot of things in this particular yeah. Yeah. installment that, that carried through the entire franchise. Yeah, it's all about the body language. Yeah. And and not everybody can do that. And some of them you can tell which you know, which movies like they don't have that down. Yeah. I think part two and there was different people that played him in part two. It's one of the weaker ones, but um yeah, this one this one works really well. Yeah, it's like this just like menacing nuance, you know, that he's imposing, he's big and then yeah right. he's like running at you. It's like, ooh boy. Yeah, stop it. Yikes. Or if he's just slowly moving it, moving through, coming yeah. to kill you. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, overall, do you think the 3D works to the benefit of the movie in hindsight? I mean, we know it was the gimmick, and a lot of the Friday films have their own gimmick of what's kind of driving the movie. But do you think, looking back at it, that it, it still works now, or no? Well, I. Th- I think it's hard to separate the two because so much was done in that movie to just make 3D a star that mm-hmm. like if you take it out like the movie would be different. You know what yeah. I mean? It would just be very it would be very different. It's so, very plain without the 3D. Yeah, like a lot of the things that you know like I find to be kind of iconic about it are based off I mean, some of the 3D gimmicks, right? Yeah. And I think the creativity of the 3D gimmicks, you know, like they they were, I think, tinkering with, like, creative ideas to kill people in the earlier movies. But this one, they, like, went all out to try and find creative ways to kill people. And that in itself became a thing that they kind of followed through with the rest of the franchise. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I don't think you... I, 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 I like the 3D stuff. Like, I mean, again, you know, the harpoon, the eye, the... Yeah. You know, some of the other stuff, like the juggling and the popcorn, like it's just a little gimmicky, but when it comes to the the kills, the 3D aspect there, I think it's kind of awesome. Yeah. Even even if you don't watch it in 3D, you're like, oh, yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> I, could, I could picture it yeah. in 3D. Yeah, I think it, uh, I, I think it puts it in its, it's like, it helps it, uh, solidify its time capsule-ness of like what it is at that time, a little more so than the other two movies. Yeah. I don't know. I think it, I think it's it's quaint and and funny and like to have that aspect to have these interesting shots that you would never see in a, a film. Yeah. Right. Um, and I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it actually made me enjoy it more. I agree. Yeah. Like as a first time viewer, just like it, it's it's giving my brain something more to do with it instead of just sort of being bored by this yeah. guy killing these people, these uninteresting people. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's like I'm just sort of looking for the next shot, or or I can laugh at like, no, oh, that's silly. Like that yo-yo is silly, or the juggling silly, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, I mean, uh, I I think you take the 3D element out, and they shot it, they shot the script as is. In a sense, it would be a lot more boring. 
suffering. And yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. I mean, absolutely. it's it's absolutely like its own character within the movie. Yeah. You know? And so yeah. I think it helps, you know, obviously the way the movie was made to, to help still tell the story. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if you guys talk about, what is it, Videotech? Oh, yeah. Videotech in yeah. South Pasadena? Yeah, yeah. I wonder, do they do, like, is it just video cassettes or do they do like oh no it's mostly it's almost DVDs all dvds i wonder if we can find the blu-ray version of of uh the re-release of part three yeah that you they know might they released it. it with kind of the the you know the red and blue yeah so the, you could watch it in 3d i wonder yeah. if they have it so that we could uh we do should, a screening because well, that would be kind of interesting to we'll see. just have to make a reconsider field trip there. i like it <laughs> Voorhees institute we're gonna put that on the list yeah. of things too. yeah I, I think there is a good chance they would have it. Yeah, I I would like to see it. If Maybe keep the glasses behind the counter, you know, so d- it doesn't get taken yeah. with the, the, the case. But, yeah, uh, that's worth checking out for sure. Um, what else? Should we, talk, uh, should we talk some box office? Sure. Yeah. Love box office. Big All fan. Right. So the movie came out on... Friday, August 13th, 1982, on about almost 1,100 screens. Yeah. Uh, as we said, it was about a $2 million budget plus another two for the for the 3D, so it was about $4 million overall. Uh, it brought in $9.4 million opening weekend. That's crazy. That's which is, you know, right there made its money. Yeah. Didn't it, uh, is this, did it? Dethrone E.T. from number one in the box office it, for, the, uh, for that weekend? It, yeah, it was the first movie to remove E.T. from the number one spot. Can you believe that? That is crazy. I mean, there was a lot of big movies. I, let me rephrase that. There was a lot of big movies that came out in 82. A number of them became bigger through cult status sure. as the years went on. Sure. Like The Thing, which wasn't a huge movie numbers-wise in 82, yeah. but now is like one of the most beloved. Yeah. But... Um, so there's a lot of great movies that came out that year, and Friday the Thirteenth Three is like way up there. Yeah, it's on a money level. I wonder. I I need to look it up, but I wonder how many weeks ET had been released at the time. Yeah, I didn't, this came it came out. out in June on June 11th, so it was probably at least nine weeks, probably. Yeah, yeah probably eight or nine. Eight or yeah. Still, I mean, like nine weeks, like that's huge. Yeah, yeah, but that was such. I mean, God, Spielberg was at his height at that point yeah and et is one of his biggest movies and well yeah i mean like et now is like such a you know in my in my brain uh you know uh such a iconic movie that i feel like that movie's been number one on the charts since it released until now so so to think that friday 13th part three kicked it off yeah just in nine weeks i'm like wow that's yeah. Really impressive. And these movies, you know, again, this is really prior to home video. I mean, there there were they were coming out, like Betamax was right. out, and this is just before VHS, but that was coming, but it wasn't you know, it was yeah, very limited was what was out and, and nothing so, as it was, you know, now right. or yeah. So these so these movies really lived in the theaters. So there was right. it was much more normal to have these really long runs. Uh, at a top position, but well, ET kept adding screens. They added like 400 screens by 500 screens, 600 screens by the throughout the summer. So it kept increasing. It kept mm-hmm. basically making more money, making yeah. double digits. So yeah, this was its one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, one, twelfth week. It was dethroned. 
Yeah. Twelfth week. Twelfth okay. week. I still made eight and a half million dollars. Yeah. So, so just barely, because we said it was what nine what? Nine point nine point four. Yeah. The yeah, not only so it took number one, slid E. T. off of that, mm-hmm. and it premiered the same week as another movie we've covered here before, back in year well, I guess it was in, in season two, this season. Uh-huh. Um Fast Times of Ridgemont High. Fast Times. So another, what a great year for movies. Yeah, it really was. That, Blade Runner. Rocky 3. Rocky 3, yep. Yep. 48 Hours. Rambo, uh, or First Blood was 82, I think. Oh, uh, yep. Yep, First Blood. Yeah. Uh, the Conan? No, Tron. Conan was 81. Tron? Tron which you guys could do an entire podcast just on movies based on 82. We did. Well, we did the summer of 89 last year. So we were talking about, what, the summer of 86? Summer of ninety. Were we? Yeah, I don't remember. We we've 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 debated. We talk about a lot. Oh, you yeah. mean like what we want to cover next? But it's by, by my them. by my watch, it's still March, so we don't have to worry about. Yeah, summer. should do a poll. See what the audience. We'll wants. do a poll. Yeah. What summer movies should we cover? I feel like summer of eighty four is always. Eighty four is a yeah another another fondly Greece yeah. too also. That's Grease too, yeah. Grease <laughs> came out the same weekend as ET. Is that too like T O O or is it the Grease number two? Also. <laughs> Grease as well. Like Mannequin too and <laughs> Teen Wolf too. And... That's hilarious. Um, yeah, so this movie obviously did very well financially. Um, great word of mouth from the fans, people like the Friday fans and horror fans in general just loved it. And there's the early '80s. There's so many horror movies coming out. And, and, you know, they're trying to franchise themselves. And so many, like, didn't work. But Friday, at this point especially, was still on yeah. the upswing. And they almost could do no wrong. Yeah. Right. I mean, they did a crazy 3D gimmick out of nowhere. And it worked. Yeah. And was one of the most successful movies in the in the whole series. But, um, you know, they get terrible reviews from the critics. And as expected. They always do. Yeah, they, they always, always do, do. And, and they don't care. Like they're not yeah. doing it for critical, uh, you know, approval. So. Yeah, um, like in the history of slasher movies, like how many have actually gotten good reviews from critics? You know, maybe, know, right? maybe Halloween. Yeah, Halloween, Jaws. You know, but I'm sure is Halloween. Jaws, is Jaws a slasher movie? Are we well, Jaws a slasher well, I was movie? thinking just horror, but oh, not okay, yeah. Gotcha. Right. And I do cons- like. Jaws is a horror. You don't movie. remember the shark? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, nice. there was, he's got slashing people with his teeth, so maybe. <laughs> it got cut out of the movie. Yeah, he's walking around with a machete. <laughs> what if they gave Jaws a Bruce. machine gun in the next one? Jaws 5? That'd be fantastic. And he's got, he's don't, got, don't they do that in Sharknado? Probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're tornadoes that are Megadon. sharks. <laughs> right, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, the, the, the writing didn't matter. The poor acting didn't matter or, or you know I feel bad I, like, I feel bad that the actors get such a bad rap for this movie because it's yeah. really not all their fault but you know that's how it ended up and I mean do they they just get shit on the acting I didn't feel like it was that bad I thought the two leads were pretty bad but beyond yeah. that like everybody else I was like okay they're fine no I think they do I think it's like I feel a lot of it's like rehearsal footage you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what it was it was like here you go we're rolling and that's it moving on yeah. you know yeah. They got one take to um, get it. This movie made it on the name value of the franchise and the success of 1 and 2, and then the 3D element. I think that really drove people there. And yeah. and because it was used so well for this movie, it, it worked for them. So Right. 
I have to watch Jaws 3 again to see what didn't work for that movie. The, yeah. I mean, a lot doesn't work in that movie. But. Definitely not Louis Gossett Jr. That guy's a badass. <laughs> yeah, he's great. <laughs> yeah, Louis Gossett, you're fine. Yeah, everything else, yeah. garbage. Dennis but Quaid, not so fine. Didn't even remember that guy was in it. He's uh, the main character. Yeah, oh, Louis yeah. Gossett's the only guy I remember that. The only thing that I remember of that movie is Louis Gossett and... One of the 3D scenes was a frog jumping towards the camera. Yeah. That's all I remember. Yeah, there's... Um, God, now I, I really like want to watch it. And it's like at an aquarium. Them. It's like at Sea-Rama or it's, something It's like at, that. like, yeah. SeaWorld. It's like Jaws loose at SeaWorld. Yeah, that's right. And somehow they stretch that into two hours, so... <laughs> Sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, but it was the number two... Uh, the second highest-grossing horror film of 1982, behind another one which we didn't mention... Poltergeist. Oh, yeah. So Another Spielberg entry. Yeah. yeah. Unofficially Both. directed by Spielberg. Unofficially, because yeah. Toby Hooper, uh, you know. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was busy skiing. Yeah, doing, yep, exactly. <laughs> skiing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even even as well as it did, it still ended up, box office-wise, as number 21 out of 19, uh, for 1982. Wow. So it started out hot, but ultimately, you know, there was there was a lot. Wasn't there a Star Trek movie that year? Was Star Trek Wrath of God two was two, that year? Yeah. 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 So it's a fan favorite. Yeah, of course. Yeah, still one of the one of the best. But. Yeah, and Tootsie, don't forget. Don't you dare forget Tootsie. Tootsie. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was ended up bumped down the list, but I think that's just a testament to how good a of a good year. year that was. Yeah, it was a good year. So. Ultimately, where do you rank this one in your Friday rankings? Oh, I should have done that. I should have thought about that. Well, For me, or you go ahead, Dave. Well, yeah, again, I've only seen seven of them, but not, uh, yeah, top. It's probably number three. Number me. three. One, one through six, and the heart one. Jason goes to hell. <laughs> Is that eight? Nine. Nine. Yeah. One through six and nine. Three. Okay. This one's three. I'll, you first. Uh, mine. I, I'm gonna rank this lower. All right. Just because I I do find I find it slow in parts. Like there's yeah, it's kind there's of long gaps between kills, and you're spending time with these characters who really aren't doing anything, and the whole like gas station with Shelly and Vera like that just feels like it goes on forever before he ends up driving away and hitting the motorcycles. But. Um, I would put this at number like six ish. Bottom of the six okay. or seven. Yeah. Bottom half. Yeah. Alright. So I, I I I wish I had gone back and re listened to the old podcast because we did this then. We're gonna I, do it every time. <laughs> yeah, so I got I gotta be more prepared for this because I feel like for me, every time I rewatch one of these, like I have to reassess the whole ranking. Because I had forgotten a lot about part three when we did the rankings last time I definitely think this one's in the top five mostly because of what it established for the franchise like as far as like importance sure. to the franchise uh, so I don't know exactly where it sits but I, I I probably give it top five I mean there's a couple in there that are just like I love for yeah also like I, I will always love part seven for yeah. no good reason at all other than sci-fi telekinesis it's, and why not it's carrie versus jason yeah and why not let's just yeah come on. let's get crazy here <laughs> but you know i i uh yeah i don't know i think it's got to be in top five but i don't know exactly where it sits yeah i have to reassess the whole yeah thing. all right but top five for you yeah so. 
Alright, so two people got it in the top five. Two out of yeah. three of us. Look at that. Sitting here. I still have to... Well, and you said six, right? Yeah, so, I'm you're, just outside you're, of that. You're close. So. I've got, for me, it's like four, one, um, then I would say six, then probably part two, then seven. Those can switch. Yeah. Maybe seven, then two, and then part three is right after that. Huh. I mean, they're just, like, I like Freddy versus Jason for a bunch of different reasons. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, like, it's difficult because they're not all, like, great, but, like, where they stand and, like, just, like, in my brain as far as, like, yeah. life and nostalgia, like, it's kind of looking at it that way. But, but again, like, I stand by this one is really important to the franchise and, like, just slasher movies yeah, in general is. and, like, spawning a whole, like revolution of like franchised slasher movies mm -hmm. you know like from from this and the success that it that it had like i just feel like it's kind of important so yeah. like it's definitely in there it might kick kick some of the ones that i had up higher in the top five down lower but well yeah. it's still you know comparing with where we are with halloween and nightmare on elm street i mean this is still a year before nightmare on elm street comes out so it's, right it's nightmare really just halloween and this yeah. As far as, you know, slasher characters go, yeah. sitting up there, and, and we're at... I think Amityville Horror had, a had like, two that had come out yeah. at this point, right? Yeah, but they weren't as... They weren't as big a deal. No. They weren't slasher. They were, like, you know, the ghost, scary possession yeah. movies. And then there was... Uh, Halloween 3 came out, I think, the same year, but yeah. it was after, and it was, like, way out of, like, it was... Yeah way off base yeah. from what 2 was and not until I think even more recently is getting some kind of like respect. Oh yeah, there's a lot like there's it's a getting thing. a lot of street cred now. Yeah, exactly, but people at the time people were like what the fuck is this, yeah. you know? But now it's definitely like you said getting much more street cred. And I need to go back and rewatch it cuz I haven't seen it since. I want well we'll probably cover that. Not probably. We will cover it this Halloween, so. Yeah, you guys are there now, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. But um yeah, so overall, a fun, you know, a more fun entry thanks to the 3D and the creative kills and Jason's mask being oh, one yeah. of the big moments of this movie. So if you're a fan of Friday the 13th and if you haven't seen this at all or haven't seen it in a while, go back and, and revisit it today. Today's the day to do it. Yeah, yeah. this is the day we celebrate. Everybody, Absolutely. we're shutting the Recon Cinema Studios down early. It's a it's a national holiday in our, our country because remember this is an its own country. Recon Cinema Studios. That's right. That's right. Um, I think I highly recommend to the presidents of other countries to let their workers go home early on Friday the 13th. Yeah. 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 It should be a global union holiday. Yeah. yeah. Paramount Studios will thank you as well. <laughs> yeah. Big celebration at the Voorhees Institute. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we've got uh, a good lineup coming the rest of the month. You know, won't be Friday the 13th, but we have a... Uh, I'm going to announce it here now. Okay. Oh boy. Someone who has never appeared on this show, we realized he hadn't appeared, and he just turned 90, so we're going to have a very special look back over the next few episodes at the career of Gene Hackman. Oh, wow. Yeah. So How is he? Wow. It's Hackathon 2020. Hackathon 2020. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. That's that is way overdue. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't. When we realized it, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh yeah, we have not done a Gene Hackman movie, and he's done so many great ones. So. All right. So, so is Hackathon mean that you're going to do a month of Hackman? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
I think it's gonna be three episodes. We're still figuring out exactly which which films, but yeah, yeah. I cannot wait. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. But uh, yeah. Anyway, Brent, it was great to have you back here. We we always the doors always open. Glad to be here, guys. Really happy I was able to make it back. It's been too long. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Like I said earlier, Voorhees Institute keeps me pretty busy, but glad we were able to to reconnect to get this done. When not on assignment. Yeah. Come on by. You can walk in the middle of a recording. And we'll Perfect. Just, you'll pull up a chair. And, yeah. Um, yeah, great to have you. And so. don't forget to hand in your budget next month. I so will do that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to see if we, need, we can keep this, this <laughs> going. Keep this so. yep. float. Keep the lights on at the Voorhees Institute. Fair enough. We're and what hotels are you staying at in Mumbai? Yeah. Uh, nice <laughs> hotels. <laughs> right, we'll look at that. Yeah. But it's, yeah. <laughs> Let's do, the the dollar is, if we could downgrade is, to a seven-star hotel, that'd be <laughs> nice. So. The dollar is doing well in India. <laughs> all right, well, we want to say a quick thank you to all of our friends, E.K. Wimmer, for uh, doing our theme song as usual. And don't forget to check out his podcast, Laser Graves. I've actually been getting caught up on those. And there's some great ones in his archive. Yeah. Witchboard, Avenging Force, which Ooh. both of which we're going to eventually cover here. Uh, really some some fun ones. So um, Death Stalker, you know, just there. fun things. So yeah. check that out. And then Curtis Moore for the poster. And don't forget to uh, go on. What, is there still iTunes? Is that Apple Podcasts? Yeah. Or what is it called I now? I don't know. I, yeah, I got rid of it, I think. But go everywhere. Give us a... Yeah, give us a, a five-star rating and a review, and, and it's very important to the uh, rankings of, of our show. So, yeah, if you can. Yeah, take 30 seconds, if that, just to, just to do that, please. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Brent, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. David, thanks for joining me. Sure, of course. Anytime. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time on Reconsinimation. Bye now.